Well, this um, uh, past few days, Tuesday anyway, um, I went down to my brother and sister-in-law's apartment. Um, they like to be called brother and sister. They don't like being called in-law. Uh, down in Snape Maltings with Clive and Beryl. And um, we had a good time, very good time. And uh, one of the things I did want to see was the Sutton Who Ship Burial, which is quite nearby. Um, and I said to them, I reckon I shall get a message the Sunday from there. Because uh, at the moment I'm not doing a series, as you know. And I was not disappointed. So I'll share that message with you this morning. Um, but we're going to read from 1 Timothy and chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, beginning at verse 2. Well, the middle of, of the end of verse 2. 1 Timothy chapter 6, the end of verse 2. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your unchanging word. We thank you that it's powerful, it's infallible, it stands the test of time. In fact, Lord, all the so-called scientific theories are absolutely falling before it at the moment, uh, which is very exciting, um, and is the only only record of uh, reality, not only of um, salvation in the future, but of uh, the origins of the world and the universe. So we thank you. 1 Timothy 6, verse 2 Teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that ascends that accords over with godliness, he's puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He's an unhealthy craving for controversy and quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. That's a good old phrase in English, isn't it? Depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. Imagining that godliness is a means of gain, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptations, into snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Uh, now, I don't know how many of you have uh, been to the Sutton Who site um, in Suffolk. Um, I've never been before. I've always wanted to go. Uh, there's not much to see in a way because uh, um, they found these ship burials there. Um, and, but all the treasures, of which they were remarkable treasures, are all in the British Museum. There's some pictures of them. but um, So there's not a vast amount to see. It's just a matter of being there, really. But you can see the mounds where they uh, buried the kings and some queens, or a queen perhaps as well. Um, let me just give you a little bit of background, and uh, you'll see uh, what um, 
what this said to me and I want to share it with you. Um, obviously the Saxons came in from the east and they drove the Cymri or the British to the west. And they ended up in Wales and in uh, Devon and Cornwall and took over the eastern part of the country. And then, of course, um, the Vikings came, didn't they, Michael? A bit later. <laughs> and we have survivors of the Vikings amongst us today. Um, and um, they pushed the Saxons back as well. But, of course, the whole of most south of the Humber uh, is all Saxon territory. And, of course, the names still reflect that. I mean, I would say in Suffolk, which is the South, South Folk, that's South Saxons. And the Norfolk are the North Folk, and the Middle Saxons are in Middlesex, which doesn't exist as a county. And there's Wessex, that's as far as they went that way, to the west. Um, Essex, East Saxons. And of course, our Scottish compatriots, uh, I hope they're state compatriots, um, call us down here Sassanax which is another word for Saxons. And of course, Her Majesty the Queen is Saxon. Her surname is Saxon Coburg Gotter. Did you know that? Not Windsor. Uh, Windsor was adopted as a rather more British sounding name. That's, that's her name, Sax Coburg Gotter, Gotter. G-O-T-H-A. Um, and of course, um, Queen Victoria married her Saxony cousin, her German cousin, and of course, Ironically, the First World War was between two cousins. Sad effect, but between two empires as well. Millions got killed. Um, but anyway, uh, the Saxon kingdoms were various ones, but there was one in East Anglia. And uh, in about 599, um, it was... Uh, the throne of, of them was occupied, excuse me, by Redwald, uh, sometimes Rydwald, king of the East Angles. So there you go. Um, and by 616, um, he was uh, the kind of top dog, the Brett Wald, as he was called, the sort of chief guy in Britain. I, th I don't think the Britons in the West would have agreed with that, but um, anyway, that's how they styled themselves. Um, and uh, he died about eight years later, and they buried him in a ship. Uh, they sailed the ship up the River Devon, and they dragged it onto the land. They built a kind of monument place for the put the body, um, and they surrounded it with loads and loads of very valuable stuff and um, to, to represent his kingship. And um, this was discovered, a lady who owned the house nearby wondered what these mounds were and she engaged an archeologist in 1938 to start looking, Basil Brown. And um, in the following couple of years, just before the war, they found this amazing, uh, well, the first one, anyway, but this was the biggest, the ship burial of King Redwald. Um, and um, there's none. They actually wondered, first of all, 
where there was a cenotaph. You know, a cenotaph is an empty tomb because they couldn't see any human remains at all. But the acidic soil had eaten away uh, not only the wood of the ship, uh, but him as well. Um, so that it was indeed a, a burial. Now, there's no doubt whatsoever this was a pagan burial. It wasn't a Christian one. Uh, but this king had converted to the faith some years before. At least he professed to convert to the faith some years before and was baptized. And there are certain Christian artifacts, a cup with Salus and Paulus on, I think, and a few other things they found in this very, very lavish tomb. It's one of the finest um, archaeological discoveries this country's ever seen. And you'd have to go to the British Museum to see the bits and pieces. But um, as I reflected upon this, I thought, ah, I'll have my message <laughs> for the Sunday. As you know, I'm, I'm, I tend not to sort of preach sermons and things these days, but to talk through a passage. Well, I suppose I'm reversing it in a way. This is a talk, really, but you can interrupt me any time, of course. Um, just three things I want to say about this guy, King uh, Redwald. Um, and the first thing is this. There's only one way to get to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, they buried him in a ship. And, of course, the symbolism of that was it would kind of help him on his voyage to the next life. But all you have is nothing and rusty bolts and treasure left there. And people have all sorts of ideas about how to get to glory. I mean, in uh, we've just um, our Chinese brothers and sisters have just moved on uh, to the chat room. But um, in the third century BC, perhaps one of the most famous emperors of all, Qi Shi Huang, Qin Shi Huang. Um, was the emperor, um, wrote his name down. He was the one who built the Great Wall. And as you know, with him, he had amazing, he made a um, whole army of terracotta soldiers to help him on his way in the, into the next life. Um, but it really didn't do much good. I mean, the Great Wall is obviously an amazing achievement and uh, people go and see it. I think it's there too. There's a lake of mercury. Um, I, I believe it's there in, in his tomb. It's fantastically big. And also, I think that his retinue of servants were sort of buried with him alive. Not a nice man. He was the one, in fact, who introduced the dragon into Chinese worship. We all know who the dragon is. They worship Shangdi, who's the true god, Shaddai. So, uh, but um, really all his efforts to achieve immortality were pretty much in vain. Because other cultures did the same thing, of course, Egyptians and so on. But uh, let's just make that first point. <laughs> There's no way you can secure your place in heaven without the Lord Jesus Christ. My father for years had a, a church in Hackney. And um, 
he knew the local rabbi very well. His name escapes me at the moment. That was obviously my church. Um, um, and uh, the rabbi used to joke with my dad. And um, he said, if I get to the pearly gates, and there's this Peter there, the Saint Peter, um, and he won't let me in, I shall say I knew more Crispin. <laughs> well, quite funny, but very unhelpful. You won't get it by knowing anybody except Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. So you might not be buried in a ship, but you know, you might rely on your religion, uh, your good works, your prayers, your Bible reading, being a nice person, being British even. No. Even being a child of Abraham physically didn't secure salvation. God is able to raise up sons for Abraham from the stones. There's only one way to heaven. That's Jesus. Doug Hawley did a great kid's song on that. <laughs> I forget, I can't think of all the words now, but it's, uh, uh, there's no, you know, people try all kinds of means of uh, getting to heaven and seeming they're okay. Most of them just think they're all right, sort of better than the next person. And, the, and also they sometimes abuse God's mercy. Well, God's merciful. It was, what was it, the man in the French Revolution who said, Dieu me pardonnera, God will pardon, that's his business. Well, it's his business for those who repent, but not for his business for those who don't, as we've just been reminded by that text uh, that Steve so eloquently uh, presented to us. Fear him. Jesus is the saviour. Now, this man professed faith in Jesus years before, but um, he still had a pagan burial and a ship to try and help him to get through to heaven. There's nothing you can do uh, to get you to heaven except through Jesus. Okay? We all know that, I'm sure, but if there's anyone listening in or listens to the recording that doesn't know it, let me just double underline it. There is no other name given amongst men, no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the second thing is, you can't take anything with you. Um, he had a lot of stuff in this um, uh, grave, this ship. Now, it was probably mainly to show his status, but some of the things were probably to help him in the afterlife. That's certainly true in the um, Chinese culture and the Egyptian burials. Things to help you when you get to the other side. Well, of course, as Paul says in that 1 Timothy passage, we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. So all the things that we might cling on to, we cannot take with us. Which should give us a proper attitude 
towards material things. Uh, Jesus called that man a fool who hoarded material things and said he had you know, enough for many days. And he also exhorts us to make friends with unrighteous mammon. In other words, use your money to win other people, help bring them closer to the kingdom, um, and, you know, make them your friends and bring them in, like in this building here, which we're going to be doing soon. Um, and um, so use your homes that way to bring people in. So don't let that money just be in the bank doing nothing. Uh, God will not be pleased with you when you stand before him. I'm not saying about being irresponsible or anything like that, and we all have different responsibilities, but if we hoard money or if we don't use it for the kingdom, then God will be displeased with us because Jesus told us explicitly not to do that. He said, use unrighteous mammon. Mammon's a, a sort of name for money as a God uh, for the kingdom. And Paul says, the love of money is the source of all forms of evil. And it is. Not money itself, but the love of it. And if we can't give it away, then we love it. If we can't use it for the kingdom, then we love it. So we need to have a responsible attitude. Things belong to us. Remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? They were, didn't have to sell their field. They weren't obliged to. And nor were they obliged to bring all the money to Peter, if they'd be quite honest about it, and say, well, we decided to bring half of it to you, and uh, but we've got a few other responsibilities. That would have been all right. Peter says, that's fine. What they did, what they did was did not was lie to the Holy Spirit and said that they brought all the money and kept part of it back. Like the sin of Achan, really. Interesting that just as Israel was being established in Canaan and the church was being established amongst the Gentiles, or it soon to be, uh, covetousness took over. So a man's wealth does not consist in the abundance of the things he has. So just take a long look at your bank balances and your investments and so on and think now, in this new phase of the kingdom, God's going to be blessing, what should I be doing with this? Am I holding on to it sinfully? I certainly can't take it with me. I have responsibilities, and God knows that. But I also have uh, opportunities to use unrighteous mammon, which is what it is, for the work of the kingdom. So I'll leave that with you. Now, I mean, the one beneficiary of all this stuff, or the beneficiaries of all this stuff in this grave, of course, is the British Museum. <laughs> and... Um, Obviously, uh, you know, we're grateful for all the treasure trove in there. Um, actually, believe it or not, it was reckoned the coroner said it belonged to the lady who owned the uh, estate where it was found, but she generously gave it to the country. And it is remarkable, remarkable stuff, a very fantastic find. Um, but just, you know, let's sit lightly on the material things that God's given you. In fact, not just sit lightly on it. Use it in a way that's glorifying to his name. That's very important. Um, and um, we just just stress that to you. You can't, you brought nothing into the world. You came into the world naked. And you can take nothing out of the world. Therefore, the things that are in your control materially, make sure 
you use them in the way that's glorifying to God and for the kingdom. Okay, so that's the second thing I want to say. Now, the third thing I want to say is this. Um, poor old King Redwald was compromised, really. He'd had a Christian conversion, supposedly, a Christian baptism, but he mixed it up with his paganism. Now, in the guidebook, which uh, I bought, here it is, um, yeah, Sutton Hoo thingy, um, the writer thought that that was a good thing. And uh, he has an article that says, uh, uh, hang on, The Path of Peace. And it looks as though uh, Redwall's wife, there's a picture of what she might have looked like, there you are, uh, persuaded him you know, to keep hold of the... Um, pagan bits as well as his newfound Christian faith because he didn't want to kind of, you know, lose all his friends over the other side of the North Sea. And uh, the writer of this, uh, well, otherwise very good book, thought that was a good thing, you know, the path of peace. In other words, uh, be all things to all men and, uh, you know, don't be sort of divisive or anything like that. And therefore, he did well to listen to his wife. Well. <laughs> There's two opinions on that. That opinion and the opinion of um, Venerable Bede, who took a very different line on this uh, effective compromise. Um, and I'll tell you what he said. This is chapter two, uh, book two, rather. Um, so great was Edwin's zeal for the truth, that was, a, he was talking about King Edwin here, and the true faith that he persuaded King Eowald, son of Redwald, king of the East Angles, to abandon his superstitious idolatry. So the son of this King Redwald was sunk in superstitious idolatry. Therefore, his failure to be clear about the faith had just made his son a pagan. Okay, got that? Let me tell you that. It's not that we can make our children Christians, but if we compromise, they're likely to end up as pagans. And to accept the faith and sacraments of Christ with his whole province. His father, and here it is, his father Redwald, that's the guy buried in the Sutton Hoo, big number one man, the ship, Redwald, had in fact long before this received Christian baptism in Kent, but to no good purpose, says the Venerable Bede. For on his return home, his wife, this lady, and certain perverse advisors persuaded him to apostatize from the true faith. So his last state was worse than the first. For like the ancient Samaritans, he tried to serve both Christ and the ancient gods. And he had in the same temple an altar for the holy sacrifice of Christ, side by side with an altar on which victims were offered to devils. 
Adwolf, king of that promise province who lived into our own times, testifies that this temple was still standing in his day and that he'd seen it as a boy. The king Redwald was thus a man of noble descent, but ignoble in his actions. There you go. You can't mess up Christianity with the world. And that's the third thing I want to say. So firstly, you only get to heaven through Christ, not by having a spectacular funeral. I once heard of a, a rich Texan who was buried in his Cadillac. The body was dressed. He was sat upright at the steering wheel. A big hole was dug. And he was loaded down and dropped into the big hole with his Cadillac. And earth was put on top of him. And one person was heard to say, man, that's living. So the human heart is rather the same. And so regenerated by the Holy Spirit. So here we have this compromise. And it doesn't work. And anyone either listening this morning or subsequently reading the tape, the, uh, listening to the, the tape, the um, recording, you cannot have served two masters, says Jesus. The Samaritans were like that. Yes, they had a mixed... I remember that they um, had set, uh, pagans settled there uh, by the king, and, and then they... God sent judgment on them, and they, they gave some Yahwistics and godly priests, and what they ended up with was a mixture of superstition and idolatry and true worship. And, of course, that's why Jesus went to the Samaritans. And remember, he said to the Samaritan woman, we worship what we know. You lot, I'm afraid, are ignorant. That's what he meant. But he didn't say that to her. He was very polite. But he told her the truth. And she had to come out of her Samaritan thinking in order to receive living water. And let me tell you, if you're compromised, if you're sitting on fences trying to have one form of religion and another, or trying to mix up, say, evolution, for instance, with Christianity, you've got to come off the fence. Evolution is a pagan doctrine, and you're like the king. Your worship, you've got mixed up in your life pagan thinking along with godly thinking from the Bible. Let me show you a picture, actually, interestingly. One of the, I don't know if you can see this, but uh, I'll see if you can. Uh, it's probably reflecting back. Can you see that? that? That is on part of his shield. Can you see the face of that monster? It's a pterodon or something, um, flying reptile with its wings folded. Shows that they were around in those days, by the way. Just add that little point. They were mythical. Um, and... You can't mix up uh, a worldly view of origins, long ages and evolution and stuff. The church has been doing it for a long time, long before Darwin, actually, believe it or not. And that's why we're in the appalling state we are uh, today. And uh, people don't take it seriously. And, but the uh, extraordinary fact is, let me tell you this, that with um, the discoveries of modern genetics, Encode and stuff like that. 
work of people like Professor Sanford and so on, uh, it's, it's now completely, honestly, demolished any credibility that anything can evolve into something else. Therefore, created kind since the beginning is the only thing that's in line with proper science. Similarly, all those animals beneath our feet in the fossil record did not evolve from each other. They were all destroyed in a comparatively short period of time. By zones, it was waterborne things that were um, destroyed first of all, of course. And of course, as you probably know, or perhaps you don't know, you'll find waterborne fossils on the top of Mount Everest, showing how after the flood, the whole earth was reshaped and the water went back. Um, so we have this, we can't mix up paganism and the Christian faith. And in fact, it's intellectual suicide to do so. The only way to think straight, let me tell you this, is to believe the scriptures. Otherwise you end up in a most extraordinary kind of convoluted, compromising position by which you explain this is that, that is this, and this is that, and that is this. Um, and alas, we've been doing it for uh, over 300 years now, and we've ended up where we are. But it's not an end. We're going to see a new beginning. I believe we're going to see God turn it all around. He wouldn't have given all these discoveries uh, in this day and age if that were not the case, I believe. And more, much more important than that, he's promised to send revival to those who call upon him, to pour out water on the thirsty ground. So let me just show you, compromise has always been there. And like this writer, he thinks it's, the, can I see that? But you can see that, the path of peace. But the path of peace is not compromise. The path of peace is to believe in the whole of the word of God and most of all to receive Jesus as your savior. So, old King Redwald, he might have provided the nation with a treasure hoard, which is interesting to see, but he mixed it up and got it wrong. Um, I wouldn't say it was all because you listened to his wife. That would be very unfair, I'm sure. But don't listen to anybody that tells you otherwise than it's only Jesus and nothing but Jesus. And he is the way and the truth and the life. So praise the Lord.